We also hear a lot about, you know, if you cheat on me, you have to pay me this. Those things can't really be in there either. They're not enforceable. You can put them in and people agree to them, fine, but they're not really enforceable in the end. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, welcoming you back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. Today's episode, oh man, we are going there this week. As many of my longtime listeners know, I'm in the process of getting married. And I say process because I was actually supposed to get married back in July, but thanks to COVID, it's been put off until next year. Well, as a bride-to-be, let me tell you, I have found so many resources on how to plan a wedding and really not enough on how to plan a marriage. Like there are so many blog posts on how to pick the perfect table setting or floral arrangement or color scheme. But when I went to look for info on things like prenups and marriage contracts, I had to dig to find any information. And here's the thing. Okay, wedding planning is exhausting. And while so many brides and grooms are focused on vendor contracts for like their DJ or their venue, many of us, myself included, don't really think about the biggest contract that we're signing in this process. And that's the marriage contract. And it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a contract. It is a legally binding document that you and your future spouse are signing. And it is arguably the most important contract you will sign in your lifetime. So why isn't anyone really talking about it? Well, I mean, most people who are getting married aren't thinking about a potential divorce. I mean, I'm one of them. But statistically, it's a reality and something we all need to understand or at least talk about before we sign on the dotted line. Like, did you know where you get married matters because states have different marriage laws? Or have you thought about debt in your relationship and if you're responsible for your significant other student loans if you break up? Or what about your savings or your property, your pets, your business? I know these are not fun things to think about, especially when you're so excited to marry the love of your life. But if you're thinking about getting married one day, or maybe you're already married and just want to know your options, knowledge is power. And that's why I had to bring in the big guns this week. Guys, I am 
So hashtag honored to have celebrity divorce attorney Laura Wasser on the podcast. Laura Wasser is like the expert in this field. I mean, one look at her Wikipedia page and she is like a divorce attorney rock star. She's represented some little known names like Angelina Jolie, Heidi Klum, and Kim Kardashian in their divorces. She wrote the book on divorces called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. She hosts the All's Fair with Laura Wasser podcast on iHeartRadio. And she is also the CEO of the online divorce service. It's overeasy.com. Laura is absolutely brilliant. I was so humbled. I got to put on my little business clothes and go to her gorgeous office in Beverly Hills to sit down with her. And I just got to ask everything that we should know going into this important contract. We talk about prenups. We talk about protecting yourself. And we even get to talk about some marriage advice from someone who has sat through literally thousands of divorces and knows what tends to end them. There is a ton of information in this episode. I have lots of resources for you in show notes at the end of this episode. So don't worry about that. For now, all you have to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Guys, we have a new sponsor in the building. You know that I love skincare, and that's why I am so proud to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that connects you with a dermatologist online who can prescribe you products to meet your skincare goals. Prescription skincare is awesome. It really works, but it can be hard to get, and it's usually pretty expensive. So Apostrophe makes it easy and affordable to see a board-certified dermatologist online. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then just snap a few makeup-free selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you within 24 hours with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. The best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications that help with your skin concerns. So anything from like breakouts to dark spots, fine lines and wrinkles, redness, and more. Like I am in my 30s now and have been curious about retinols and other prescription treatments for fine lines. And so I just did my consultation over the weekend and I honestly can't get over how easy the entire thing was. Like I didn't have to find a doctor or book an appointment or go in physically to see a dermatologist. Like I did everything in my PJs on my own time at home. And I had a treatment plan from a real dermatologist in my inbox the next day. It was amazing. Another thing that's so great is that I don't even have to get my prescription and then take it into a pharmacy. Like Apostrophe's Compounding Pharmacy custom blends and hand bottles your prescription and then ships it directly to your door. It's next level, guys. So if you want to get your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist, go to apostrophe.com and you're going to get it for $5 when you use code BKP. The code is only available to our listeners. This is an awesome gift from Apostrophe. Thank you. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com and click begin visit. Then use code BKP at sign up and you'll get your dermatology visit for only $5. Then, if you use code BKP, you'll also get a $20 credit towards any prescription. So again, that's apostrophe.com, A-P-O-S-T, 
R-O-P-H-E.com and use that code BKP to get your dermatology visit for only $5. And got to shout them out. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this show. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I am joined now with Laura Wasser. She is a family law attorney who's been practicing for over 25 years. Laura, you've done thousands of divorces. Um, you have the you began the podcast. It's the Over Easy Podcast with an accompanying website. It's overeasy.com, making divorces and the whole process a little bit easier. And you actually wrote the book on divorces called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. Yes. So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, how did you even get into this line of work? Well, my dad was and remains a family law attorney. I never, ever thought growing up in Los Angeles that I would work with my dad or go into something like family law. I was like, oh no, no, I would never do that. And then like after my second year of law school, I got married. After my third year of law school, we realized it wasn't working out. So two things happened. One, while I was waiting for my bar results, I didn't have any money because we were getting divorced. So I went to see my dad and I said, A, the whole marriage thing that you paid for last year. I'm really sorry, but that didn't work out. And B, I need somewhere to work for a little while while I wait for my bar results. So he was actually super cool about the fact that the wedding didn't work out. He said, just know I'm never paying for another wedding. And I was like, okay, (laughs) by the way, listeners, I've never gotten married again for that very reason. And then he said, you can work here for a little while, but like really it should be short. You don't want to be, have the nepotism. You don't want to work for daddy, whatever. Cut to 25 years later, I'm the managing partner of Wasser, Cooperman and Mandels, which is our firm. And I really did realize working in family law is so interesting because you get to learn so much about so many different people for a short period of time, 6, 12, 18 months. You learn everything about them. You learn about their careers. So I learned about banking and teaching and being a quarterback in football. I learned about acting and writing screenplays and being a producer and being an executive at a studio and all these cool things. And then you also learn a ton about human nature and what people are going through when they're sad, when they're hopeful, when they're angry, when they're you know terrified. All of those things led me to where I am today, which is really, really trying to kind of give back a little bit, teach people about family law, because the fact is, until you're getting divorced, you never really think about divorce, even when you're about to get married. Right. And that's kind of exactly why I wanted to do this episode, because I'm in the throes of planning a wedding. And it's obviously like the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm like, yeah, I waited this long to get married. I'm never going to get divorced. But I imagine... That's probably what everybody thinks. Of course. When they're getting married. There's no way that you want to be thinking about getting divorced if you get married. But what I say to people so often is, this is not about pre-planning your divorce. It's not even about ill-fated marriages. What it is, is, as I'm sure you know from planning your wedding, you get into so many contracts with the venue, with the caterer, with the band or DJ that you're using for your cake, for your dress, for your flowers. But the most important contract, the overarching contract that you are actually entering into when you get married, most people don't even know what the terms are. (laughs) When you get married in whatever state where you're going to live, there are laws that govern what you earn during your marriage, what your debt is during your marriage, how much you can spend if you split up later on, who deals with all of that kind of stuff, custody laws. People don't know that. Nobody tells them to go find out what it is. So often when people have prenups, they've learned what the law is in their state and gone, I don't know if I'm down with that law. I want to kind of opt out of that law. Can you help me? Can we write something up that has me not agreeing to 
divide everything that I make. If I'm a painter and I'm painting paintings, I don't know if I want every single painting to be half my wife's after we split up or even during our marriage. I don't know if I want to pay support to this person who's a trust fund kid who has plenty of money, but not income. Why should I be paying him or her support if we split up? These are things I think people will talk about. And what I've learned in 25 years is those people who do talk about them end up staying married longer. They're not sexy or romantic conversations, but having realistic expectations going into a marriage is really helpful. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask that because I think that that's kind of something that people think of. You're like, oh, if you are already talking about a prenup or you know thinking about these things, maybe you're not that invested into the marriage. I think that has like that negative connotation. And I want to change that because it really doesn't make sense. And I'll tell you that the prenuptial agreements I've done I'd say 95% of those people have remained married. Now, I don't know if that's like a great thing, like (laughs) come here and get your prenup done. I just think, and again, they haven't been fun. There have been some negotiations which were very kind of shocking to people. But if you really do make it through that process, those people have stayed married because they have these conversations. And other things too that you don't put in a prenup start coming up. Again, not super fun and super sexy, but definitely important. Gee, my mother you know, is really, really close with me. And if she gets older, I don't want to put her in assisted living. Are you okay with her living in our back house? Or, hey, I've got these huge student loans. I'm going to have to be paying them off with some of the money I make during our marriage. You're fine with that because our lifestyle is going to be a little bit lessened until I can actually pay them off. Or, hey, it's really important to me that our kids go to parochial school because I'm a Catholic, Buddhist, Jew, whatever it is. <laughs> and what do you think? People don't talk about this stuff. Those things wouldn't go in a prenup, but those realistic conversations are really important. And I do think that they help people stay together. Yeah. Wow. I'm breaking into a sweat already. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But you're right. I think that there is something to, I, I guess, just going through the process of getting a prenup at least has to spark those conversations. Those are probably good things to talk about before you're walking down the aisle. And I'll I'll say one other thing too, since a lot of your listeners are probably young and hopeful and either getting married or getting into live-in relationships. Therapy, super important. Not just when things are bad. So many people are like, oh, things are really bad. We're going to therapy. Or, oh, we went to couples counseling. Oh, are things bad? If you can start developing some of the tools that you will need to effectively communicate with your partner when things are good, Hmm. it's amazing how much easier it will be when you have those tools when things are bad. And things are going to be bad, guys. Look at the divorce lawyer, like the doom and gloom. But the (laughs) fact is you're going to go through hard times in your relationships. You will come out the other side of them better if you're able to communicate with each other. That's, that's, I think, very good advice. That's so interesting. And, and I love that we're talking about this because like we kind of said before, I mean, I'm in this planning process and I, there's a million articles out there for like picking, you know, the right bridesmaid dress or the florals. And I just haven't seen much about these prenups. So I kind of wanted to talk to you just to get like the basics out there for anybody listening, anybody who's thinking about getting married or maybe somebody who's already married who, you know, this information is is going to be helpful for. So to even just kind of like back up, I think there's like a misconception that prenups are just for rich people. Do you think everybody needs a prenup or like wh- what do you what do you think in, in terms of prenups? I don't think everybody needs a prenup. I think everybody needs to know what the law is in their state. So let's say you're two young people. You've just gotten out of college or out of whatever graduate school you went to. So neither of you have any money. Both of you have significant debt, so to speak. Most people would say you don't need a prenup. And I would agree with that, but I would say you need to know what the law is. So let's say one of you goes to work for a law firm and one of you starts a startup. 
Okay. So one of you is making money every month that's probably supporting your family. And the other one is using sweat equity to build this company. Now, what happens when and if they split up five years hence? What happens? Well, one person has used all of his or her income to pay for the lifestyle, maybe put some in savings. That's going to get split down the middle. The other person has this company that still may not be worth anything, but both parties own half of it. Don't you want to know that going in? So the three things that I would be discussing that would go into a prenup, know what the law is when you're getting married, and then you can decide if it works for you or not, are what is the law in your state regarding what is acquired during the marriage. In California, we're a community property state and there's eight other community property states. The other states are equitable distribution, which kind of like, what does that mean? I'm not sure. What I'm hearing from my colleagues that practice in other jurisdictions is that most of it is kind of whatever you do during the marriage is likely going to be joint property and getting split, but not necessarily 50-50 like it is in California and other community property states. You're also going to want to look at spousal support laws in the state. We have really, really high spousal support laws. So if there's a real disparity in income, you make a ton of money, but your spouse doesn't. If you split up, you're going to be paying him support, usually for half the length of the marriage, unless you've been married 10 years or more, and then it could go on even longer. So I've had tons of women come in to me and say, I'm the moneymaker. I'm so sick of him sitting on the couch in his underwear. He was supposed to be this dynamo rock star, amazing, you know, screenwriter, executive business person, whatever. And he doesn't do anything. And you got to get me out of this relationship. And I say, okay, great. Let's get you out of the relationship. But you do know you're still going to be paying for him and he still may be on the couch, right? For at least half the length of marriage. And they're like, oh my God, you're kidding me. Yeah. So you'd want to know that going in because if that's not something you're comfortable with, you guys both might want to talk about having some kind of a waiver or a limitation on spousal support if you were to split up. And again, defining these things during the marriage could prevent your spouse from being the guy that's sitting on the couch in his underwear. He might be like, I'm not going to get money if we get out of this. I better get out there and get a job. So those conversations I think are helpful. You cannot put in a uh, prenuptial agreement anything about child custody. You have to see what happens if and when you guys split up and you're figuring out custody because you can't with an unborn kid or even a kid that's born. And let's say you have a kid and you get married after you've already had a child. You can't say what the situation is going to be if and when you split up in the future. One of you could be perfectly fine right now and become a heroin addict in the future. So nothing about child custody and nothing about child support either. So you see what the financial situation is of the parties if and when they split up. So those things won't be in there. We also hear a lot about, you know, if you cheat on me, you have to pay me this. Those things can't really be in there either. They're not enforceable. You can put them in and people agree to them, fine, but they're not really enforceable in the end. Oh, really? I thought that was like a... I know. People talk about it all the time. It's just, it's not really an enforceable contract to put it in there. But like I said, maybe they feel so bad because they cheated that they actually pay up. You'd want to try to avoid entering into a prenuptial agreement that actually isn't enforceable. So, you know, there's that. Um, People put in things about their estate. Like if you marry someone that's much older than you or maybe travels a ton and he or she has a good risk of dying while you're still alive, even if you're living in a house that that person owned before you got married and would go to his or her estate, you might say like, I want to be able to live in that house for the rest of my life. Hmm. Those are things you might want to talk about again, because you do, particularly here in Southern California, have these May-December romances. And if you're the May, you want to make sure that if the December you know dies, you're taken care of. So those things go into stuff about debt. 
You want to make sure that his or her debt, it remains his or her debt and happy pays for it, pays for it during the marriage with money that's his. So these are things, again, having communication, having these conversations about finances and about things that are important, I, I think will cause people to stay together longer. Yeah, I do definitely want to touch on the debt piece because I think, you know, especially our generation, we're known as like the student loan right. debt, like Jen. And I think a lot of people, you know, have that debt. And I, I kind of want to just, let's say you don't have a prenup. Right. And, you know, somebody has student loan debts, somebody has credit card debts from before you're married. Let's say you get married and get divorced down the line. Are you responsible for that debt? No. If so it happened before. If it happened before, it's your separate property debt in California. So that debt will still be separate property. What happens a lot though, is they get married, the debt gets paid off during the marriage with community money. Mm. And now you're divorced and the person goes, oh my God, all my money went to paying off your debt. And now you're out. That happens a lot in, in relationships. So you may want to define during the relationship, especially if somebody has some premarital money, you pay your debt with your own money. You can do that, even yeah. if you combine finances and the marriage. Yes, even if you combine finances, maybe you say, well, combine the finances. Let's say our combined income every year is $100,000. I'm going to take my 50 and I'm going to keep it for myself. And you're going to use your 50 and you're going to pay for your student loans or whatever. And maybe we both establish a household account that we each contribute money into each year. So we are still jointly paying for expenses, but I don't want to be paying for your debt. Yeah, that's smart. So is that stuff that's all worked into a prenup or is that something that you don't need necessarily need a prenup you for? You don't need a prenup for that. You can agree to that. You just have to agree. But see, so the thing is, if you, I have a plenty of people, for example, a lot of young actors come to me and they say, we always kept our money separate. In 2018, I made a million dollars and she made $1.2 million and we kept it separate. Well, the thing is this, even though you kept it separate, you're, there's still a combined $2.2 million of community property. So if they got divorced, even though they kept it separate, it really is each party gets half of that money. So you would need a prenup to say that we agree that anything we earn is separate. But again, if it's debt and one person says, I'd like you to pay your debt with the money that you put aside, that actually would hold up. Interesting. How does it work too when it comes to, you know, like retirement funds or investments and things like that? Like, let's say you work for a company and your company's matching your 401k for years and you have like that nice little situation for yourself. If you get divorced, is your spouse entitled to that? Anything that you earn or produce or make during your marriage is community property in California, absent a prenuptial agreement. So again, you're a screenwriter. I have people that come in all the time and they say, I wrote this script in 1999. I was married. Nothing's ever happened to it. I want to make sure that if it gets made in 2020, it's mine. And the wife goes, uh, no, if it gets made in 2020, half of the money's mine. So again, you really want to make sure whatever, whatever, and you put money into an IRA or a 401k, if you get stock options, a lot of these companies up in Silicon Valley are giving, you know, sweat equity, stock options, RSUs, all this stuff. People are getting divorced. They're dividing those up. Wow. Yeah. And so with the prenup, you could potentially protect yourself with Correct. that. Okay. Right. Interesting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> I think that's interesting too with the companies because um, like both my fiance and I are both um, business owners mm -hmm. or, you know, like we've both like put a lot into our businesses. So I'll use him as an example because we haven't talked about like prenups at all until like preparing for this episode. And I'm like, <laughs> honey, surprise. Yes, listen surprise. to this episode. This like, is my friend, Laura. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm like, you've been building your company for 12 years before, before we've, you know, before we get married. Mm -hmm. Let's say like it takes off 
in the time that we're, we are married and we split up down the road, would I, would I potentially have, um, you know, say over the company or, or be able to, you know, like what I have to, Yes. So it's a separate property company, but ostensibly during the time you're married, my hope is the next 12 years when you guys are married, it's really, really going to take off the money he makes, the deals he makes. So now we've got really what is a commingled asset. It started out separate property, but now his community efforts have gone into it during the time you guys are married. So he would probably have to make, if you guys got divorced, let's say in another 12, 15 years, he'd make a timeline showing. And there's a couple of different cases in California that really do control what ends up happening in that situation. If it was market forces that just caused the company to go crazy, there was a huge you know, slew of wine and the, the grapes were amazing that year and all that stuff, then he would absolutely say it had little to do with me. It was just market forces. For example, you buy a house, house is separate property. It sits on the market. You don't do anything to set it up. 10 years later, it's worth a ton. That house is separate property had nothing to do with me. But if I buy a house and I'm a house flipper and I put so much of my effort into it during our marriage, and the reason that the house now sells for three times as much is because of me, then my spouse would go, well, that's what you did during our marriage was you made that house look amazing. So it's due to your community efforts and therefore I want half of that too. That's why people have these really, really ugly, expensive divorces because nobody sets stuff up before they get married. Right. That's kind of what I think is important, especially especially something like that. And like, I have big kid problems is like my company and I feel like it's my baby. Like I right. have put so much time and effort into it when it sells for a million dollars. It's not going to happen. For all $7. That's <laughs> More than a million. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just think that those are important things to keep in mind. Real quick, I know there's a ton of reasons for not being able to sleep these days, but don't let your mattress be one of them. Helix Sleep was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And I am so pumped to have them as a new partner for this show. One of the reasons they are so freaking comfortable is that they have you take a little two-minute quiz to match your body type and sleep preferences to actually find like the perfect mattress for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even a Helix Plus mattress for our plus size folks out there. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Midnight Lux mattress, which is in the medium firm range, which is perfect because I move around all night long and usually wake up on my side or stomach. And I have to say, one of my favorite parts of this whole thing is just how seamless the entire process is. You don't have to go to a store. You don't have to like make small talk with a salesperson. Everything is delivered to your door and you guys know I'm I'm about that life. So if you're looking for a mattress, I cannot recommend Helix enough, but you don't need to take my word for it. Try it out for a hundred nights, completely risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I do have a feeling that you will. Oh, and here's the best part. I have a little discount code just for our listeners. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash big kid. So again, just go to helixsleep.com slash big kid. I'm also going to link that in show notes. Take their two minute sleep quiz and get ready to get the best sleep of your life. 
I don't know about you guys, but the big kid in me loves a big bowl of cereal. Like it is just so nostalgic. Growing up, I would just crush a giant bowl pretty much any time of day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But as I got older, I had to give up my cereal obsession because I realized it was just full of sugar and junk that you just really shouldn't eat. So that's why I was so ecstatic to learn about Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is a healthier, more quote-unquote adult-friendly alternative to your favorite cereals with the same great taste. Each Magic Spoon cereal has zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They are keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free, and they all come in your favorite childhood flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I don't know about you guys, but I was a fruity cereal kind to go growing up and Magic Spoon brings me right back to the glory days. I really don't know how they get it to taste so much like regular cereal. It's kind of a mystery. Uh, And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund your money, no questions asked. So if you're jonesing for a bowl of cereal and want to keep it healthy, just head to magicspoon.com slash BKP to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code BKP at checkout. You're going to get free shipping. And you know, when you support a sponsor of this show, it really helps make these episodes possible. So again, that is magicspoon.com slash BKP and use that code BKP for free shipping. So I kind of want to get into the actual like idea of getting a prenup. Like if anybody's listening to this and they're like, wait, maybe I should look into this. Maybe I should protect myself, you know, from debt or whatever it is. How do you even go about doing this? Like how much time do you need? You know, would you say, would you recommend? A lot. So most statutes, there was a change in the statutory law in the early 2000s, at least in California. And it really says there has to be seven days between the time that the last draft, because usually there's drafts that go back and forth, is received and and the time that you get married. So you want to like hang on to it and sign it. We usually do even more than that. I feel because I've done so many of these, particularly for a young couple that's getting married, you're really going to want to have a lot of time. I would like it to be signed and put away in a drawer a month before. So you're not like still negotiating the prenuptial agreement while you're getting your dress fittings or your cake tastings or anything else. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I I totally agree. (laughs) I'd like to have it done way in advance. Also, we tell people, don't send out your invitations or even your save the date cards until you're done with this. And the reason why is, One of the things that could make a prenuptial agreement voidable is if the person said they were under duress. I never would have signed this except for my whole family was coming in from out of town. I'd already spent all this money on the venue. I was totally under duress. So let's make it so that he or she is not under duress. They sign the agreement. They have it done well before. Nobody can make those kind of arguments. Also in California and most other states, both people have to have lawyers. So it can be expensive to have a prenup. Now, it's okay if your spouse is the more moneyed party and he or she pays for your lawyer to sign it. That's okay as long as you have a lawyer and it's your own lawyer and you your lawyer understood it and explained it to you. But a lot of people say, well, gosh, if both lawyers are going to charge 10 grand or something like that for a prenup, we would rather spend that $20,000 on our wedding or our honeymoon. Here's what I say to that. 
educate yourselves. And this is this, this is my entire like platform right now in life. It's why I wrote It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. It's why I started It's Over Easy on It's Over Easy, which is a, it's really a divorce website, but it has everything that's related to relationships and moving on and everything else. Go on to It's Over Easy, read about prenups. Go on to the web and look up what the law is in your state. Find out if your state is community property or equitable distribution. Find out what some of the support laws are in your state. Figure that stuff out. That's why we started It's Over Easy so that people had somewhere to go. Because like you said, there's not very much online about this. So now there is. And there's also a lot on It's Over Easy about divorce, resources, places you can go to learn more stuff about this. It's all free. The only thing we charge you for is if you're actually getting a divorce. We do have an affiliate on there called Prenupta. Prenupta will help you get a prenup. You, it's like a form kind of like you would you know, get off the internet and you negotiate that prenup with your spouse and then you go to prenupta and they will give you low cost attorneys who basically can negotiate it a little bit, bless it for you, sign off on it. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. probably like the most affordable option. I think so. Yeah, because if you do need it, if you do need to have you know, a lawyer, that the prenupta will be able to provide you with one. I think the most affordable option is giving yourself information, talking about it with your fiance or boyfriend or girlfriend beforehand. And then you just go to the lawyers and go, all we need is for you guys to help us get this signed and filled out. We don't need you to negotiate. I don't want a big pissing contest. This isn't a divorce. This is a marriage. We love each other. We've done it. You have the capabilities of doing that as long as you know the law. And we do give it to you online at It's Over Easy. And by the way, each state has pretty easy to read and follow laws. Then if you go to your attorney armed with that information, he or she can really help you out and it won't cost a ton of money. Do you have any idea like what that kind of range is for that? It totally depends. And it's definitely less expensive in other states. I know family law attorneys in Southern California cost more. At our firm, firm, it's $25,000 for a prenuptial agreement, just the retainer. Oh my gosh. So again, and they can be allowed. Another expensive or could be expensive piece of the puzzle is that another very important part of a prenup is full disclosure. So you really have to tell the other person everything you have, everything you owe, everything you make. They have to be able to go, yeah, I got that. I understand you've got an island in the Caribbean that I'm not going to ever own a part of, but I'm willing to sign this saying that I understand that I don't own a part of it. Or I I understand that you have this company and you're going to grow it and I don't have any piece of it and I get that too. So full disclosure, that's what sometimes costs a lot of money is putting all that information together if you're young and you don't have much, it's not so hard to put it together. I've seen a lot of prenuptial agreements that had Exhibit A disclosures. One, you know, cushion cut diamond wedding ring, a diamond engagement ring. It's worth this much. And that's pretty much it. And a futon, you know, <laughs> my cat. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you brought up cat. Yeah. I was going to ask about pets because I know you mentioned kids can't yes. be um, put into a prenup. What about, I, I thought I saw a story recently about like, Dog pre or pet prenups. So basically, the law in all states has always been that pets are chattel, meaning they're basically not worth any more and they're not treated any differently than this calculator. Okay. So whoever bought the calculator, or if the calculator was a gift, then it's a separate property. It's just asset, like a couch. But in California, we recently changed the law because so many people are so attached to their pets so that judges will listen to 
argument about I was the person that walked the dog every single day. This dog loves me. Even though the dog was purchased or came with the marriage to my spouse, this is really my dog. And judges will now listen to that. So yes, in a prenuptial agreement, you could put in who gets the dog and that would certainly move the needle if you had an argument about that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so they, they won't do that for kids, but they'll do it for Correct. dogs. Interesting. By the way, if you get married and you already have a kid and the kid is not the other person's kid, yeah. the kid's dating your kid. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm interested too. Like, let's say you're, you got married. You've already, you're already married. Is there such thing as like a postnup? Absolutely. And that's exactly what it's called is a postnup. So again, full disclosure, there has to be a good reason for it. Nobody can be under duress. So let's say you have no prenup and now one person cheats on the other. And they say, the only reason I, the only way I'm going to stay together with you is if you sign this postnup. So now you go in and you have a full disclosure of everything else. There can't be a reason that you, that you're signing the postnup just because of this. But often, especially in long marriages, things change. People really want to define like the example we were talking about before where somebody owns a company and then they work really hard during the marriage for the company, even though the company was separate property. Now he or she really wants to define what the spouse's rights are in that property. It makes a lot of sense to visit attorneys. Some people do it through their estate, like especially if they've been married a long time and they're older, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people do it through family law attorneys. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is, it is a thing though. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. Um, it's harder to do. I mean, often people are like, if I didn't sign a prenup, why would I want to sign a postnup? Everything's half and half, babe. Sorry. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, when, I had another question too, just going back to the disclosures. What if somebody like doesn't disclose something? Like then a- it could render the entire prenuptial agreement totally invalid. And again, so you really want to be careful if you've got a bookkeeper, an accountant, a business manager, they have to give all of that information. If you're, if there's an omitted asset and it's on purpose, you're done. If it's an omitted asset and you just really didn't know you had it or you forgot about it, sometimes you can say, okay, I forgot about it. And here's what I'm willing to do. Same as in divorces, you must do full disclosure to get divorced in every state in the US. And so if you do the full disclosure and somebody leaves something out that could have been divided, there was a case... I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, where after the parties had separated, woman bought a lottery ticket, won the lottery, won $2 million, did not tell her spouse about it. I don't know how she kept that quiet, but maybe it was long enough ago. There wasn't internet or whatever else. They were already divorced. They were separated. They were Uh, in the process of getting divorced. And when she was doing all of her disclosures, where you say, this is what I own, and this is what I owe, and this is what I make, and this is what I spend, she conveniently left out the $2 million of lottery winnings, Okay. When the husband found out after the divorce was done about it, he took her back to court and the judge not only totally, totally slapped her by saying, well, now we're going to take that money. And rather than just splitting it in half, which is what she should have done, he gave it all to the husband. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That seems kind of unfair. It was. And she took it up on a pill and they ended up splitting it. But okay. Still, I'm like, how much geez. of that two million did you get? Do you think got spent on attorney's fees yeah. just arguing about it? The the key is disclose everything. Yeah. I can just see some people maybe not wanting to disclose things. Like if they're if if maybe they have like secret debt that yeah. they don't want their person to know about, have to disclose it. What happens often in divorce cases as well is you have to disclose what you've spent. Sometimes if people have extramarital affairs and they've purchased a home for somebody else or somebody keeps seeing all of these American Express bills for, you know, Chanel and Louis Vuitton and, and you know, Christian Louis Vuitton, all these. And the wife is going, I don't own any of this stuff. Oh Where is it God. going? 
if the husband had spent, you know, $150,000 buying stuff for his girlfriend, that's called a misappropriation. And that money will come back to the community and 75 will go to the wife, even if it's gone. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people who would prefer not to disclose. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. That is crazy. I would be pissed. Yes. You someone was getting, pissed. and again, but once people know what the law is, like I've had people even on the It's Over Easy website go, I didn't realize that I'm going to have to disclose everything. Okay. I'm going to tell her everything now. Hopefully we can still work it out. And that example of the $150,000, again, he told her and she's like, okay, good. I mean, she knew he was cheating on her already. Give me 75 and we'll call it even. So they were able to work it out. It's all about getting education. And I think in our legal system, so often lawyers are the holders of that information. And when they don't give you that information readily, or if they charge for that information, a lot of times that's what is so costly. So that's why we've put It's Over Easy Online to make it easier for people to get information, educate themselves, and then see once they've got the tools to work it out, whether they can mediate their own divorces between them and do it all for $1,500 online as opposed to $25,000 at our firm. Yeah. And then both people walk away with more money. Correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Is there anything you would want somebody who's getting married to know about prenups or just in general? Like any- I would I would want them to know what the law is in their state like yeah. in terms of community property. I'd want them to know. And I also, I think it's really, really important for young couples to be pretty transparent about finances. I think it's crazy. And I speak so much to women's groups, how often we as women totally abdicate our like financial stuff. We want to be taken care of and it's really nice to be taken care of, but there needs to be some kind of a check. Even women who make the money, they let their spouse deal with it a lot of times. If you are part of a partnership, you need to check in at least once a quarter, that's four times a year about the finances. What are we saving? What are we spending? Who do we owe money to? Is there a better way of consolidating our credit cards? What do we earn every year? I mean, I've been doing this 25 years. I have had some of the wealthiest, most well-dressed, classy women, Mrs. So-and-so movie star, Mrs. Studio exec. They could get a table at any restaurant in Hollywood or Beverly Hills. They could get, they have personal shoppers at Neiman Marcus and Barney's. And they come in and they go, I'm so embarrassed. I have no idea what our financial situation is. My husband always took care of it. And I don't even have a credit card in my own name. I mean, they've got millions of dollars worth of jewelry on them when they come in (laughs) and they have no idea. And I say, this will never happen to you again. You're going to learn everything as part of this process and it'll never happen. But isn't that crazy that in 2019, 2020, there's still women that feel that way. Don't feel that way. Check in, figure it out. You don't have to control it. You don't have to be the person balancing the checkbook, but really, really being transparent about finances, I think is huge for couples. If you're going to be partners, be partners. Yeah. Um, Two other quick questions that just came up for me. So if you wanted to learn about the laws in your state, how do you go about that? Do you just Google it? You Google it. You could say, you know, family law or divorce law, marital law in my state. It's Over Easy is a really good guide because we have laws in every state. We've got articles written by people that like have been through it or we have chat rooms. You can actually speak to attorneys. So yeah, we're a good resource. And I have found as time has gone on that there are other good resources. And if you Google, you know, 
spousal support in my state or disclosure laws in my state for marriages, it's there. It's yeah. coming up. And again, a lot of them may refer you back to It's Over Easy because I think we're, we're one of the biggest sites that has it. And we also, I am very, very careful to write things or have the people that write for our site write things in a way people can understand them because that's another problem. Sometimes you get into all this legalese and people end up shutting their laptop because it doesn't make any fucking sense to them. Yeah. I say, write it like a normal person, explain it like a normal person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because you can you can pull up probably the actual like marriage agreement and yeah. just read it word for word, but there are tools out there to be like, all right, this is what it really means. Yeah. And then also, you know, there's a lot of attorneys who are willing to meet with you for a one-hour consultation and maybe not even charge for it because they're hoping that you'll pay it forward or maybe you'll retain them. So I would call a local attorney. If you, you know, Google family law attorney in my state, you'll find them. There's a ton. Also, there's a lot of workshops that happen for people that want to talk about it at your colleges and at churches and at, you know, nonprofit centers. There's places to go to learn. You just have to look a little bit. Right. One of the questions that I wanted to ask, and this is now me being completely selfish because <laughs> it's like a unique uh, issue, but like if we are moving into a home like that my fiance purchased before we got married. Mm -hmm. What happens then if we were to get divorced? But like you, he technically owns it. If there's debt on the house or if there is, you know, if we were to get split up, like how does that work with the home? Do you just get like nothing? Because it was actually like, it was his to begin with. Correct. But if during the marriage, forget mortgage interest payments, because that's just like paying rent, it's gone. But right. let's say he paid down a big chunk of principal on it. Or he did significant renovations to it during the time, added a pool, added a second story with money that was joint money, then you would probably have a, a percentage interest in that house if and when it's sold. But if it's just his separate property house and you guys move in and you live there and whatever, then when you split up, you'll have to move out because it will still be awarded to him. Yeah, that was kind of the question I meant is because if you're paying the mortgage, right. but he purchased the home, so it is step technically. Okay. Yes. Again, unless you say to him, listen, this is our home. We're going to be living here. I mean, think about it. If you now think about it 10 years into the future, you've got two kids, you're working mostly from home. You've totally redecorated this bachelor pad house of his. This is the home that you made for you and your family. You guys split up. You don't want to move out. So you might say to him, how would you feel about over a certain period of time, you know, gifting me pieces of this house so that it can be our house? People really like partnerships. So again, if people get married and they have disparate financial situations or ownership situations, it's often nice for them to be able to agree on what's going to happen to make them feel more like partners. Right. Okay. That's great to know. Okay. This is kind of a <laughs> one of my final questions because I know you are a very busy woman. Um, but since you've seen so many divorces, I feel like you're kind of in a unique position to actually give some probably pretty good marriage advice. Yes. Like, is there any common causes you see for divorces? Or I, I'm interested more so that we can avoid right. them. Mo most common, I think, is just people grow apart. You, you get married and then as time goes on, you have different interests. You go in different directions. People have kids. One person's more of the childcare provider and one person's more of the worker person. I would say the marriages that I have seen both in my practice and out that really are successful are ones that have really good communication. And if that means getting in a room once a week with a marriage counselor, even if it's a crash test dummy that's not talking, but just <laughs> having that hour a week to talk about 
issues that have come up. So you're not building resentment. Oh God, he never puts the toilet seat down. I've fallen into the toilet three times in the middle of the night this week. But having those conversations, really hashing them out, super, super helpful and keeps things, like I said, if things really get bad, you're able to speak about it. Um, I think money situations, stressful money situations cause breakups. That's why I think it's really helpful. Like if, if the guy is the breadwinner and things are going poorly for him, but he doesn't tell the wife. And so she's still out spending money or vice versa, or he's stressing and she doesn't have any idea what's going on. So she can't really be a good supportive partner. So talking about the money stuff, really being partners in things. There's a book that just came out by a woman named Eve Rodsky, and I'm going to plug it a little bit. It's called Fair Play. And it's, there's also, I think, a, a card game. And it's a way that couples can divvy up the household responsibilities and child-rearing responsibilities. Because I think what happens a lot of times is guys think that they're doing half the work. <laughs> they really do think that. Yeah. And then women are like, no, you're not. Or I, And we, as women, have to kind of let some of the things go. We may know we're going to do it better, especially when it comes to kids and stuff. Let them do it. Let them take it. And I think that's really helpful. People being able to communicate and share share responsibility will probably keep things going. And then, of course, there's the extramarital affairs. You may not want to fuck somebody else or get into like an <laughs> online relationship with somebody. That can be difficult. Oh, my gosh. You see that happen like a lot. Of course. Oh, my gosh. And I, I've also seen people walk work past it. You know, they're like, this happened. We can work past it. That was an affair. This is our love. I mean, again, with therapy and keeping lines of communication open, you'd be amazed at what's possible. But those are the things. Also, keeping love alive. I, have, I always say sex begets sex. So you can be married a long period of time. You don't get the same butterflies in your stomach anymore when you see your spouse. You've got two kids. You've been waking up next to this guy for 15 years. <laughs> Make date night. Make yourselves have sex. Sometimes having sex for the first time in a couple of weeks or something, if you guys have been apart or you've just been caught in the slog, the next day you have sex again because it felt good and it was good and it was easier. Just get over that hump. Sorry for the pun, but yeah. like actually just do it. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. I'm going to include that book you just mentioned in our show notes and also your book. Yes. It doesn't have to be that way. And if anybody wants to find more from you or get some more information about divorces, where can they find it? So It's Over Easy. At It's Over Easy is our Insta. At Laura Wasser Official is my Insta. That's more about like what I'm doing, where I'm speaking and where, what I'm wearing. You'll see that. And, <laughs> you are very stylish. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and the book is It Doesn't Have to Be That Way. And uh, yeah, just check us out. We're, and also we have a podcast, It's Over Easy Podcast, and we're on iHeartRadio and it's a lot of fun. So my whole gig now is teaching people and getting people educated and informed. So if you want to be educated and informed, listen up. Awesome. Well, I think it's super, super helpful. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. All right. That is a wrap on our episode this week. I learned so much in this episode and I hope you found it valuable too. I want to give a huge shout out to Laura Wasser for graciously donating an hour of her time with us this week. Let me tell you, I've been to her office and an hour of her time is not cheap. So if you want to dive in deeper on this topic, definitely check out itsovereasy.com. Listen to Laura's podcast. I've linked everything for you in show notes. She has a ton of resources. Go check them out. If you want to share this episode, post a story on your Instagram and tag Laura and I, or pass it along to a friend. You guys are who help this show grow. And I love seeing your posts when you guys tag me. 
As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So just know that I am truly honored you choose to spend your hour with me. And I hope you got some real value from this episode. So with that, I'm going to leave you with our weekly quote to stay on theme this week. Uh, This one comes from nine times married, Zsa Zsa Gabor. She says, you never really know a man until you've divorced him. What a legend. That's it for this week, friends. Enjoy your week and I will see you next Tuesday.